Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back, Scarleteers, to the Scarleteers podcast. Woo! I'm Amanda. And I am Lindsay. And we have a special guest with us today. It is Lori from the Scarleteers. Welcome, Lori. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Um, You've been on the podcast before, and we want you back to talk about episodes four and five of season four. That's right. Four and five of season four. (laughs) It it just sounded right saying it that way. (laughs) So, um, we want to talk to you about four and five of season four. It still sounds wrong, but it's right. Um, <laughs> you are a very knowledgeable Scarleteers. You are very active in our Facebook group. You have wonderful insights. So we asked you on. And oh, you. I'm so honored to be asked for these, especially uh, one particular episode. When you mm. asked me, I was like, wow, I, this is, I better be ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> we asked you for the big episode. The big one. Yeah. The big one. Opinions for the big episode. But we're going to get to it. Um, episode four, the description is or the title is The Diamond Feather, and the synopsis is Things are going well for Eliza until a familiar face shows up to question her role at Nash and Sons. Meanwhile, Duke receives an offer that brings their relationship to a crisis point. Now, I want to say something. I'm very mad at this description. Because... Why would that be? Because Duke does not receive an offer... And it's very, it is very, um, misleading, misleading. That's the word. It is very misleading. And I'm very angry at this description, but (laughs) I I also want to note that Rachel writes this episode as well. So it says a lot of things anyway, (laughs) in a good way, I hope in a way, in a way, in a way. Well, you wonder uh, who writes the descriptions, right? That that's the yeah, question, right? Yeah. Who gleams the <laughs> and, and tries to throw us off <laughs> with we, these descriptions. That's what we um talked about a little bit. I think when we talked about the the descriptions and like the reviews, um that I think we the descriptions get filtered through several people and gets kind of wonky. And I think this one is very wonky for this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, well, I think it's the same in the like the overall uh, description. It's um, obviously Eliza and William go to a looming decision, and I'm like, I'm not quite sure yeah. how I mm. whether that's quite correct. But that's uh-uh. a whole different discussion. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We'll talk about so, that later. <laughs> back to episode four. Mm-hmm. So, um, previously when we've done this, we've kind of talked through the episode, and uh, both Amanda and I were like, we could be here all night. So we're going to break this one up. So we may be jumping around a little bit. Hopefully you keep up with us. Um, So we're going to start with the case. The person who is back is Nash. So Patrick Nash is back. He's not particularly happy. I personally found it quite amusing that he's the one who comes back because I thought it was going to be Basil. But then Basil turned up in episode one. So then I was like, oh, okay, maybe it won't be Basil. So Patrick is back. And... um, obviously complaining to Eliza that she sunk his ship. Mm-hmm. 
Which is an interesting reference when the fact is the case is about Lord Nelson and his diamond feather. Uh, didn't know anything about this, a diamond feather or not great amount about Lord Nelson and things. So here's a little bit in case you don't know. So Admiral Lord Nelson's diamond, um, we're going with Chilenk. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, it's spelled C-H-E-L-E-N-G-K. So we're going to go with Chilenk. So it's a diamond Chilenk. And, and it's, it's a real thing. It is a real thing because I Googled it. <laughs> yeah. I was quite surprised. So it's obviously, I think, again, this case kind of goes to that same, like the Black Witch Moth with Charles Darwin, that it's mm -hmm. a real actual piece of history, which is quite mm -hmm. interesting. And um, so it was presented to uh, Lord Nelson by the Sultan of Salem of Turkey after the Battle of the Nile in 1798. And that does get mentioned in the, the episode. And it uh, has it's, has 13 diamond rays to represent the French ships captured or destroyed in action in the Battle of the Nile. The centre diamond star on the jewel was powered by clockwork to rotate in wear. And Nelson wore the chilenk on his hat like a turban jewel, sparking a fashion craze for similar jewels in England, which I thought was rather interesting. Hmm. So this is where it gets really interesting. So it was sold at auction in 1895 so you know obviously that's yeah. a little bit later than where we think we are mm. um and it was uh displayed in the national maritime museum in greenwich but in 1951 the jewel was stolen apparently in a daring raid by an infamous cat burglar and it's lost forever so nobody actually knows where Ooh. this is so there you go yeah. there's your bit of history <laughs> lesson cool. for you so, yes, it's been stolen in the episode and uh, stolen from Jack Carter and Macy Carter are at their, um, what is it, the Mayfair, the Mayfair Ladies Benevolent Fund? There's a lot of these benevolent, lot of benevolent funds going on. Society, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I suppose back in the time, that's kind of what women who had no jobs did. They did a lot of charity work and apparently their husbands funded it, poor blokes. Um, <laughs> So, so what did we think of the case? I wasn't mad at it. it I, I was, I was okay with it. Um, I didn't mind it. I liked the Nelson reference. You know, it brought a piece of British history. A lot of the cases we've seen so far are just general cases of that time. This was, you know, like you've read um, about Nelson. It was an actual piece of history, so that was a nice touch. So I I really I really wasn't you know mad at it. I liked the play of Eliza and Nash. Um, our dreamboat is back. He is mad. <laughs> um, the several rewatches of this, I keep hearing that every time he says ship, he doesn't really. <laughs> and I'm like, I know this is you know PBS masterpiece alibi. I know he says ship, but you know. <laughs> It doesn't sound like ship, so enunciate, <laughs> Patrick. So I'm going to have to check this out. When this comes on to Alibi in a few <laughs> weeks, I'm going to have to check this in a whole different light. I notice he like feels like he spits on her when he says it yeah. every time. He's like says it very <laughs> aggressively, shall yes. we say? Yes, he is. He is very bossy with this. I mean, I guess Eliza did kind of tank his business, but. I feel like, and we, and through the episode, we... Another military reference. <laughs> yes. Another military reference. You know, 
he does talk about how it was kind of his not his fault but partially his fault for not staying and not helping her transition into the role of boss but i think both of them the theme of bossy is very prevalent in this case nash is bossy eliza was bossy to the men she had for a while but you know in this one nash we always have seen nash with his smarmy oily ways but now we see like nash behind closed doors and he he's very aggressive i mean he's not like physically mean and aggressive but he he has a very big temper towards eliza in this one um but it wasn't so bad i really liked the when they talked to the husband and wife i don't have the names written down lord fallon Fallon, Fallon, lady fallon yeah and like they're married and it's so that scene to me is so funny where they pretend to be married and he puts his hand on eliza's knee and she like takes it off and like pats his hand and like "Mm, nope mister it's just very different from when william and eliza pretend to be married it's it's just funny to me the very different i think it's very easy for them to kind of lie but i think that's probably and i i i just put this down to the fact that william doesn't have to lie he's he's a police officer Mm-hmm. He can walk into the room and go, I'm Detective Inspector Wellington, and he commands authority, whereas potentially as private investigators, they don't really have any authority to do no. anything. So they have to lie. Get Yeah, to get into places and mm. get information. Yes. Yeah. And so this one wasn't bad. The case maybe wasn't that great, but I really liked Eliza and Nash working together. That was funny. And they worked well together. I mean, we've seen them work well together, but this one just, I don't know, was better for me um, with them working well together. So I, I didn't mind the case. I was wondering, did she, uh, did they need a cover story? Like, I was wondering, you know, she's like, we're going to need a cover story. And then they immediately, that's like the go-to, <laughs> that seems to be her go-to cover story is some kind of engaged or married couple kind of thing. That is true. Oh, she does funny. often goes for that, does she? Right. Yeah. Instead of just well, I guess I guess you could maybe you couldn't walk into someone in high society like that and mm-hmm. um say we're private detectives. <laughs> but to your point, I think it's so those two are so good at like lying that they didn't even skip a beat with the whole holding hands. Like it was like it was like seamless. They both were like yeah, like I I think it was it's funny that that they just nat were so natural at that yeah. building mm-hmm. that like playing along. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think for me, it was um, when they go into Lord and Lady Fallon's house at night and she's kind of griping him about why mm-hmm. uh, his men left. There's a mm-hmm. the, the, the timing of all of that. Oh, this person left because of this. Well, no, because of this. And I thought that bit was it was the timing of all of that bit was hilarious. And of course, Kate's little Scooby-Doo run across the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know. Yeah. And they still I was like, that, OK, that had me chuckling. Couch. Yeah. And they're ducking behind the couch in the dark. Mm-hmm. and. They're still. They're not very quiet. (laughs) No, they're running across the room. Who's? But even their whispering isn't particularly quiet. Exactly. How can that? You know, the woman go, "Uh, "Hello." (laughs) Like. But also, I I wondered about this. Um, just to skip ahead, obviously, Lady Fallon is the one who's rifling through the desk, 
And yeah. I was like, she's literally just chucked all this paperwork on the floor. Yeah. What happens when the husband gets home and is like, well, who's been rifling through my door drawers? You know? I, I thought that I was too. a bit scratching my head on that one. Yeah, I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe a maid picked it up later or maybe I hope so was just like I don't care I don't know I don't care you know too too drunk to notice maybe (laughs) maybe but I was like I would have thought she would have been a little bit tidier and wouldn't want her husband knowing that she's obviously well someone's gone through his desk because if he's had a few drinks he's not going to be nice about it or maybe Eliza Nash picking it up because they go over there and still search the desk (laughs) just double checking that it's still there i'm not sure i can't remember if they go and check the desk but they definitely walk towards it and kind of go well if it was there it's not there anymore yeah i don't know but i did have that thought go Mm. he doesn't need to like throw everything onto the floor no that's not necessary it's not like she had to dig up something in the ground or Mm -hmm. i mean i didn't find jack carter particularly gangster I was like, okay. But then I have that same problem when I was watching season three, episode four with the whole mafia family that I was like, they don't seem particularly gangster to me, but by the by. Someone in someone in the group said Mr. Carter was very cartoonish in his characterization. And think with like the mustache and the little like goatee, the pointed goatee, you know, I think it was very like cartoonish. And I don't I don't know, was he very... small? Yeah, he was very short, and I don't think it was like it felt. It didn't feel very Victorian, you know, with like the facial hair and like his cape that he <laughs> felt very like villain esque, but like a cartoonish villain mm. that you would see. And so I, yeah, he was kind of funny, and I don't think he was meant to be funny. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think know. he was supposed to be scary. He was not scary. I think his dad was the scary one. <laughs> He just happened to be in that fence. Yeah. So his henchman was a little, maybe meant to uh, be a little more intimidating. Yes. (laughs) And his reputation preceded him. His henchman was fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then he kind of makes a comment about the fact that his brothers are laughing at him and he doesn't like that. Um, So maybe he has a reputation of being a bit of a, I'm I'm bigger than my boots type character. Mm. Maybe that's what we were supposed to think. He's a Bantam rooster, what we say in America. He's one of those little roosters that kick around and chase people. So, <laughs> Or we would say maybe he has a Napoleon complex. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. Great reference. Trying to work that into the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, while the case was fine, the the writing of the case felt a little bit lazy because this case felt very used we've seen this before the abusive husband you know the women working against each other and not you know coming from power of helplessness and it just while the case was fine it wasn't great I kind of I felt like bearing in mind Lady Fallon and Macy Carter uh, are the ones behind it that in order to, I guess, hide the fact, they kind of forgot to give me a bit of backstory because I think Lady Fallon was only in one scene before the whole big reveal and Macy Carter was only in two, one where they initially get hired and one where she's off to Gilbert's. 
that I was a bit when it got to them I was like I feel like I should feel more for them like obviously they're both in pretty dire situations I feel like I should be a bit more remorseful towards them like you know it's another kind of oh you know getting married is a really crap situation apparently because apparently nobody's happily married in this show Mm -hmm. um but yeah I was a bit kind of like oh um that's a little bit disappointing obviously I love the fact that Eliza figures it out at the end I was laughing when Nash is like well I hope my survival is part of your plan (laughs) clearly thinking of himself and one of the things I think surprised me um was that when they're kind of wrapping up the case they're all sitting around having a drink having a laugh and I'm like compare it to say episode two where Eliza and William are sitting in his office having a drink they're kind of talking about how bad the situation was for Albert Edmonds Mm -hmm. and oh you know I feel sorry for his mother she's on her own now and William's kind of all oh you know I know what it's like to be alone it's such a contrast like at least Eliza and William when they're together kind of reflect on the bad situation Mm -hmm. whereas they just seem to be laughing and happy that they'd been paid and bearing in mind these two women are still stuck in that bad situation yeah I kind of would have thought there would have been something to if, if if we're going down feminist themes to kind of go right well we got double our fee but we're going to give one part of our fee to Lady Fallon to help her get her divorce if that's what she wants maybe William brings out empathy and caring in Eliza and Nash brings out you know like I just need money and I want my business to succeed and I don't care about the consequences of people yeah I feel like the way they wrapped it up by blackmail really blackmailing Carter into shutting up and um, getting double their fee I feel like over overrode sort of what you're saying Lindsay like they could have said oh wasn't it terrible that Lady Fallon was at first almost willing to have her husband offed because of what he had done but they were so excited about like chiching like we won that she proved that she could solve this case and bring in money for Nash and Sons that that's what they were ended up toasting to at the end of the night you know yeah yeah. It just seems a bit it just seems a bit backwards when we think of other similar yeah. episodes where you've got that kind of society bit. Like if you think of um season one, episode three, Eliza really reflects on Margaret Fairfax and then yes. goes to, and her words and goes and starts teaching Ivy to read. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, there's no kind of thought about the fact these women are and maybe, you know, that isn't the point of the episode because really you didn't really show me any of that side so maybe I'm looking at this a bit too deeply maybe yeah hmm. never know. there we go so so let, let's well, I do I do want to point out one thing as mm-hmm. president of the clarinets Clarence the star of the <laughs> office <laughs> yeah because they all three of them are there toasting and he has drink in his hand and he's drinking He's Doesn't he say that he's, and he's a teetotaler? Yeah. In the first episode, yeah. but you know, he's now like a solid part of the office and he gets information about the hotel <laughs> and the women and, or like Jack Carter pays for the hotel room and he's a solid part 
of this crew now when he was yeah. just like the accountant in the beginning and I love my Clarence. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry. Well, is anyone else concerned about the amount of drinking that Eliza does this <laughs> season too? I, don't know. I mean, I'm there's an awful lot of drinking in this episode, isn't there? Yeah. Her dad she's one of the boys now. But... So. Yeah. I, don't know. I guess that's just showing her fitting in, you know, and that. <laughs> but I was know. like, she drinks quite a bit. She has a little set and a little bar in her office. And stuff. <laughs> She's obviously not hiding the good stuff this time. No. <laughs> no. No. So, I mean, I have to add that Kate, at the beginning, before the credits, at the beginning, the way she throws that file at the camera. That is time to perfection. I Uh loved that transition. Yeah. Amazing. I was literally like, how many times? Because if I tried to throw that, that would just be a complete dud. (laughs) Yeah. Like, excellent throw. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yes, going back to the beginning of the episode, William's living in Eliza's house, which I was like, wow. I know. Yeah. I can imagine I Ivy's doing that damage okay. control with the neighbors. It's okay. He's injured. He's a family friend. <laughs> He's a There's cop. No, it's yeah. not scandalous <laughs> at all, honestly. Because oh my goodness, I was quite. I was surprised. He's very relaxed. He's very chilled. Ivy's fussing. She. I, I'm imagining Ivy as one of the characters from Beauty and the Beast. She's Mrs. Potts going. Oh, it's a yeah. guest. I've got someone to look after. <laughs> She's literally um, Mrs. Potts. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. She's literally Mrs. Potts. I think this is the role Ivy was born for fussing mm-hmm. over a man in her house, feeding him, lulling him to sleep with like copious amounts of smoked ham and cake. And just, uh, she is loving life. She loves it. She loves him there. She's just like, I'm going to get you tea. I'm going to get you cake. I'm going to get you more tea. I'm going to get you more cake. And just sleep on the couch, you little cute little darling. Let me pinch your cheeks. Uh, I mean, that that opening is quite funny. I love how, you know, I'm not quite sure what the point of saying how chaotic Eliza is where her bag's laying on the stairs, a notebook somewhere else, and somewhere else and Ivy's practically breaking a neck and stuff so I was like I'm not quite sure what the dig is here I I don't care because it's, <laughs> it's just amazing it just to set the three of them into that household scene yeah yeah it's just it was fun you know he fits in there perfectly he does he's that puzzle piece of the, hmm. those two women what yeah. they needed now we just Absolutely. need Barnabas in there yeah I felt I felt like having William there for sure was meant to show how comfortable he could be living there this is what it would be like if he he was just said yeah they were already married or something you know this is what it would be like him just living there sitting on the couch eating in the kitchen yeah I'd be taking care of them exactly it's just easy he just like slid in there so easily it mm-hmm. didn't really disrupt anything. Like you said, no. how easily he fits in there. I think that's just what it what it was. Yeah. I mean, it must be quite strange to go from probably living by yourself most of the time and the fact that he probably hasn't even been home for a lot of the time, as he says in episode one, um, 
to suddenly be stuck at home with two women fussing over him that must be quite bizarre and quite overwhelming loves it you know he loves it i don't know know how much he loves though being stared at while he's taking a nap (laughs) and he's snoring and drooling and he's got two people watching him <laughs> Ivy and there. Ivy and Oliver, two two characters. I don't know if they've really properly shared a scene before, but oh my god, that was a scene I needed. Uh, that's <laughs> another cute. new connection, right? Yeah. That was on my nose. It's like, oh, there's the setting up maybe another another new connection. Like, okay, Fitzroy and Ivy now are gonna be friendly, you know. So mm-hmm. like that was good. Yeah. I love that Fitzroy is visiting William Daly. And it to me. It just really shows that even though we don't see Fitzroy and how he feels, you just know what happened to William really must have affected him big time. Because to take time out of your day every single day mm-hmm. to go and see your boss, like I know they're not normal boss relationship. It's a bit of a bromance, but I was, it really touched me that I just sat there and I was thinking Fitzroy must have been, A, he was next to him when William got shot. He mm. must have, obviously he had blood on his shirt when he goes to tell Eliza that William's been shot. And I just think he must have been really, really affected by this. And I didn't need to see that he was really affected by it. All I needed was he's been coming here every single day. Yeah. It's just, it just shows how their relationship has grown they were always like really close but this is shows them behind the scenes at home this is like here they are brothers it's a brother visiting a brother and checking on his brother and how how are you doing this is what's going on in our lives brother you know it's a it's a very brotherly thing as opposed to like the bromance of a work relationship I was really scared that you weren't going to live and I'm really grateful that you're alive. Yes. It's it's amazing. Ah, And when he pulls out his little script for his his (laughs) interview for New York, Stuart, some of his facial expressions in this episode just had me cracking up. I think it shows a very different side to William in this episode. Yes. You know, he is, I think Stuart said on the Masterpiece podcast, you know, he's very vulnerable in this you don't see him as that big important detective inspector walking into a room he's got everyone fussing over him and that is a totally different view of him yeah he he got to be very funny I think in this episode you know some very cute moments but you know I I see you said brother I say almost like daddy you know dad Mm -hmm. you know I love when he said um you know keep the speech short and sweet you know don't get get to the point you know um, or it, right and then I thought later on you know that comes into play <laughs> I think yeah. um the short and sweet um speech that we'll get into with the letter but you know there's just those little things like um and even when he says to Fitzroy you know you don't have to come and see me every day <laughs> Fitzroy's like oh should I not come here he's like oh no, no, it's okay. But you could tell he's like thinking, yeah, you don't have to really don't come here every day. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very funny. I love that when he said Banter. like keep the keep the speech short and sweet. And Fitzroy was like, yeah. I was thinking. And you could almost hear like the satchel hit thud on the couch. 
like oh um, yeah that's right 10 page two sides <laughs> <laughs> oh that scene was magic mm-hmm. yeah and then he seems so disappointed when he doesn't get the job and that they didn't even let him get anywhere near his speech really um and I, I, yeah. I admit, when he said, oh, you know, they're looking for somebody more experienced, I, my head just went alarm bells going, no, no. I, I was so wrapped up in, please don't let me lose Fitzroy, because I'd lost Moses. I don't want to lose Fitzroy. I was so relieved that Fitzy isn't going, that I, it didn't even enter my head. But now this opportunity is open for William. And I s- stupidly trusted the episode description. <laughs> it lies. It, it lies. Lied. He wasn't offered. He offered. Um, yeah. I didn't even think that. Oh, now this is a spot for William. Because mm-hmm. I was, I was like, oh, good. Fitzroy isn't leaving me. But he is a good copper, and William says that, and I think that's a really sweet... I didn't know that it was going to be, like, the last time we see them on screen together for this season. I'm going to add that for this season. Um, So it was really sweet that kind of almost the last thing that we see William say to Fitzroy is, you're a good copper, don't forget that. And I thought, that's just just sweet. And it's a real appreciation there of each other. And then Ivy, Ivy is just my MVP this season. Oh, she's I just amazing. think she is just, she is fearless, I think I would say about Ivy. Yes, that's a good word. She's going to tell people the truth this season. And she doesn't care if she's going to make it awkward. Although it, it's not awkward, but you know how you go, I need to tell my friends something. Yep. But I don't want to hurt their feelings or make the situation awkward between us. But she's just like, you know what? People need to hear the truth and I'm going to tell them the truth and I don't care. And I don't care. And she's just, she's just thrown those truth bombs. Yeah. And she does it in such an, an Ivy way because mm-hmm. I don't, to, to kind of ask a friend or, you know, do you want a family one day? It's a bit awkward. Like you just wouldn't do it. And the, she does it so subtly and then it's like let's have a let's have a deeper discussion and I love that she doesn't make him say anything she doesn't make him kind of admit anything she just kind of subtly goes do you think it's time you told her and I just love William when he goes told who and I just imagine Ivy giving that look (laughs) of I'm not even going to answer that one don't you play games with me young man you know exactly what we're talking about I'm just gonna leave it there. Yeah. Eyebrow cocked, that mm-hmm. smirk, like, you know who, you know what. We don't even need to say her name. Yeah. Yeah. Very, you know, sort of astute. And, and I'm glad I'm glad that sort of worked um A <laughs> Arabella. <laughs> I was gonna say she who now shall not be named into <laughs> you know, kind of addressing this she kind of astutely said, you know, I bet I know why that ended. You know, I I love that. And I kind of wrote down a note for me, um, which was, you know how in season one, there was like the ghost of Henry Scarlet? Yeah. And he was sort of that character <laughs> that guided them um, and, and when they didn't know what to do. And he kind of told them, 
I feel like, you know, they did away with that whole thing with the ghost of Henry Scarlet, but I feel like she's kind of taken on that role in a way. Yeah. She's like replaced yeah. that, you know. In this and... in this season, definitely. Because I think yeah. she's just kind of subtly is the conscience in the background that yeah. is able to verbalize mm-hmm. what the characters are thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we're all she... thinking. Yeah. Before. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, he just spends an awful lot of time. I love the little montage of him trying to write the letter and just, you know, throwing bits of paper around and trying to trying to get the words right. And then suddenly it's those season end of season two words that Eliza says, there's something I should have told you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just in my head, I, he's thinking about that scene and he's he was he's hoping that she wrote, said, I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was gonna say a parallel. Yeah, mm. yeah. The letter writing scene it shows. You talk about in this episode, we see a lot of William's character, mm-hmm. and I think in this scene we see William struggling for these words that he have built up in his chest, and he needs to get out. And it this is another scene where we see his character unfolding in ways that we don't see in other episodes with the big strong detective and i think this is another scene it's amazing where we see parts of his character and another more vulnerable character where he's Mm -hmm. totally laid open you know about how he loves this woman and how does he tell this woman and it's just the symbol i love you and that's all it needs to be and it's it's so amazing oh it's so amazing i love that we get to kind of see I do wonder if that's Stuart's handwriting or if they had like a, a hand artist doing <laughs> yeah. the letter writing because that's impressive. It looks beautiful, it's stunning. Amazing handwriting. Oh, it's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We we just kind of just kind of goof on that for five seconds, I think. I know, I'm just it's, dreaming. It's not something that I ever expected that we would get. No. Because I think in my head I thought the I love you would come in almost a I'm really mad. I've got nothing else to say. I've got nothing else to give you. So I'm just going to blurt it out to you. But it was actually, it's written down in such a thoughtful way mm-hmm. that it's almost more romantic. Yes. And it, it's like you said, it's written down. It, mm-hmm. it can be taken away, but not in the sense for him. He's written it down. It is out there. I mean, he could throw it away. Eliza doesn't have to see it, but for him, mm-hmm. It is out there. He has put it on paper. He's put it on something permanent. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful scene. It yeah. is. It's amazing how you know, he's a strong man, you know, but with her, when it comes to her, he's very vulnerable and afraid to to, to say how he feels. And I was just kind of checking it. I, I like season one, episode four, there's a scene where he leaves her a note, you know, and he that the Memento Mori show where he says, you know, I wrote it in a note because you tend to infuriate me <laughs> and I lose my train of thought when I see you in person, you know? So I'm like, he's done this before where he like, like I better, the, the fact that he asked Ivy, hey, do you have any paper and a pen? You know, like he, that he chose to, you know, try to see if he can work it out on paper <laughs> first, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's interesting it. though that he then goes to her office to try and give her the letter. Yeah, because I mean, in in some ways, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me that he's done that because 
he I, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast that he always likes to have these kind of deep conversations or try and start them in his office with the door open mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking you know season two episode one where he's kind of fishing of oh you know people are going to gossip what what are we doing we've had four dinners and Eliza's like oh we're just old friends and again with uh, in season three episode two where he's sitting there going oh you know wouldn't you like a family one day and in my head I'm like this really isn't the place to have these conversations because you're not going to get the response that you want so in some ways I kind of laugh that he goes to her office to almost try and start this conversation yeah and I don't know because one of the things that we've discussed on the um group is whether he's going there to talk about he loves her or is he going there to talk about I want to take this opportunity in New York and whether that's what he's trying to talk to her about from the kitchen I think in this scene he's going to give her the I love you note but she leaves to go to Lady Fallon and he picks up her name placard and remembers what Arabella said about Eliza's job will always be first to her. And I think that's what triggers the, I need to make Uh a big move to New York and get away from her. And I think that's where he makes the decision to try for this job in New York and to move away. I mean, he gets it pretty darn swiftly. I'm quite surprised at how quickly he seems to have figured out getting the job, if that makes sense. But I do wonder if he... Ever from the moment that Fitzroy kind of says, oh, I didn't get it. They're looking for somebody who's got more experience, a bit like you. There's just this kind of look on his face. It's kind of like, oh, okay. And I wonder if after Ivy kind of does say, don't you think it's about time I told her? I'm starting to kind of question, is he now trying to tell her he loves her? Or is he kind of going, I'm thinking of going to New York to give us a bit of space because I know you're not ready. And almost in that moment where he's looking at her name plaque, he's kind of like, I can't ask her that. I can't get her advice on this. I just have to kind of go and make that choice myself. I I don't know. I, I feel like I've tried to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the scene in the kitchen with Ivy, you know, why don't you tell her? And apparently that night he waited up for her a little bit, and but she got home too late and he wanted to talk to her. And I feel like if you connect the dots between the kitchen and Ivy and that, that what else would he have wanted to talk to her about? And I don't think he had got that in his mind about the secondment yet. And I think the next morning he tried. And I agree with a man. This is my opinion. I mean, who knows? (laughs) Can all be wrong. (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, right. But I agree with a man. I think that he goes, I got to get something off my chest, but let me just hand you this piece of paper. Now, I wonder why I was going to do stand there while she opened it and watch her read the letter. I think it was, that was a little weird, you know, but I I do think that he didn't exactly think when Fitzroy said, I didn't get it. Oh, I should go for it. Like there was a little moment, but it was subtle. But, you know, at first he's like, what are you trying to get rid of me? You know, jokingly. So I don't Mm -hmm. think, you know, but I think that later when she left and he, like Amanda said, picked up her little nameplate and had the Arabella flashback that he's like, you know what, let me look into this. And he went, he was already in his suit and he went over there and said, let me see, maybe this is something I should do. 
that's my opinion because mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried to like connect the dots yeah. like he would have had to been thinking of it right away between the Ivy conversation and and the next morning and I just don't know that could be I mean I'm kind of hopeful that because we don't know whether he left leaves the same letter and that's um, at the end yeah because right? it seems mm-hmm. quite crumpled when he puts it on the desk and then when he's um when Eliza kind of rushes back to the house to, to find it it seems less crumpled I hope that if he did that he's put somewhere in that letter about why he's going to New York mm-hmm. but who knows we'll never know we don't know what's written in that letter other than the I love you um I find it quite interesting the mirror image of Eliza being late in mm-hmm. that same vein that William was late for Arabella yeah and um it's kind of like Arabella knew William was late because of Eliza even though it actually wasn't because of Eliza he was obviously finishing up the case but it's it's that similar similarity that mirror image of you're not going to put me first and I I need to put myself first and Arabella did that and put herself first I think we can all respect her for that and I think it's that similar sort of thing of William kind of going you're not in a position to put me first right now. I'm not going to ask you to put me first. So I'm removing myself from the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. And then we start crying. Yeah. And we start crying. <laughs> You're doing what? <laughs> uh, I literally shouted, Oh no. <laughs> oh, here. Oh. <laughs> I've got to admit, when he was like, I love you. If if that's what leaves you speechless, perhaps I should tell you I love you more often. I'm literally shouting at the screen going, yes, you blimmin' should. Maybe you yeah. should have told her sooner. Yeah. Because yeah. maybe if she was more secure in how you felt, she'd mm-hmm. be a bit more forthcoming. And oh, I'm so I'm so conflicted about William leaving. I'm I'm I am William right now with pieces of paper <laughs> virtually in my mind of me trying to articulate how conflicted this scene makes me feel at times yes I I mean the group as like in general in a general sense the group was devastated and it took us days to not be devastated (laughs) I mean yeah we went through like the stages of grief Lori and I were commenting back and forth to each other in threads it took us like nights to just be like not devastated and to like come to terms i think somebody said like it was the six seven stages so of that was me yeah it was me, me actually like it was that. the stages of grief that yeah. we had to go through and it it sounds yeah. silly but it's true i mean it, yeah but tell you what woke me up from that a little bit is i this year we recently got back on the X platform, Twitter, formerly known as Twitter. And I follow some of the some of the folks and I see some people out there, you know, we're kind of raging after, you know, that episode and kind of upset. And I've, I was one of them, you know. And then I saw some other people that maybe were just like general fans of the show saying, God, can I enjoy this episode without hearing like the negative comments? And I kind of like kind of snapped myself out of it and said, Laura, try to look at this objectively from a storyline perspective and not 
you know, see if you can, you know, look at it a little differently and, and try not to let your like disappointment affect other people's disappointment <laughs> and things like that. And kind of yeah. tried to work myself through the feeling upset about it and go, okay, could this be a good thing from a storyline perspective? Like what interesting things could happen in this timeline? And it's like, that, that was kind of like my take out of it after the, those first few days that the episodes were released. I was like, how am I going to cope, you know, cope with this? I mean, I didn't, obviously, because I'm not in the States. I don't have PBS passport to watch them all. Um, I've watched them through the, the generosity of friends sharing on, online and things with me uh, through Zoom and stuff. So I was very, I, A, I was very nervous to watch anyway <laughs> season four. Amanda will know this. She has literally <laughs> talked me into it because for ages, for a couple <laughs> of days, I avoided it like the plague. Because uh, I was like, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be disappointed. And Amanda's and, like, and I right, need we, to we've talk got to her so badly. I was like, Lindsay, please. <laughs> She's like, we got a podcast to do. I can't do this without you Alone. having watched it. <laughs> and and again, I I wasn't spoiled. I didn't necessarily know what was coming. I did kind of go to Amanda because I already, if you guys had listened to our um what we thought was going to happen in season four podcast, I'd already kind of got the gist from the the episode descriptions I was like I don't think Williams in the last two episodes and that really made me disappointed and I was like mm -hmm. I'm gonna be disappointed and Amanda's like you've, you've just got to get through it and I was like is he in the last yeah. you know and she was like answered my questions and, and I was like okay yeah knock it up and it was the same thing <laughs> I think I saw a similar tweet I kept trying not to click on x and social media yeah. I was like I don't want to be spoiled and right. every so often my thumb would just like click on it. And I saw <laughs> a similar tweet, I think, that it was, I wish this fandom was more positive. And it was from mm. the guys who do the Love to Love Romance um, Instagram handle. And so I messaged them and I was like, okay, I haven't watched it. I don't know, you know, what's going to happen. But, but just to explain this to me, because obviously, and they're like, they're fixating on one thing. And if you look at what we, all the things that we did get, all the all the nice things that we never thought we were going to get, this is this is something to we should be positive about these things. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your lead. I'm gonna go into this positive. I'm not gonna go. Oh, I want this to happen. This to happen. This. To, I'm just gonna sit back and watch what happens. And so, I was pleasantly surprised we got the "I love you" from William. I was pleasantly surprised that we got the kiss in episode yeah. three and then this kiss was like I didn't think we would get that but I and, and Rachel I think way 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 back when probably when she hadn't even thought about this had said they can kiss but it probably won't be the way you think and I had that in mind when I was like mm -hmm. watching on um, YouTube and things and kind of going yeah they kissed but it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. and yeah. you know it's I mean, there are a few people who have like, oh, it's not a very passionate kiss. And I'm sitting there going, it doesn't have to be. He's he's, he's not going to, they're not going to see each other for a whole year now. And it wasn't anything more passionate. You know, he wouldn't have walked out the door and he's got to steal himself away. He, he just, you. the great thing about Stuart in that scene is that you see him after that kiss, almost that armor's back on. And he's like, this isn't goodbye for now. You know, this isn't goodbye. It's goodbye for now. And then he walks out and you kind of almost see him change and almost like having to steal it all away. 
to walk out that door because you know he doesn't want to. Oh, that probably took all the strength that, that mm-hmm. could happen. And I, I think you're right. And and uh, that kiss, I think, was one of the biggest to be. It, again, I, I got wrapped up in it, too. Like those first few days, I was like, oh, I really wish that was like a, a passionate kiss or she had tried to stop him and, you know, throw her arms around him or touch his face or something. And I, I feel like I came around to the point where I said, well, God, if, if that any of that had happened, I, he probably wouldn't have left. Yeah. And from a storytelling perspective, he had to walk out the door. Yeah. So, yeah, when you exactly. watch it, actually, it was a kind of romantic kiss. It, it wasn't like a lot of, you know, touching and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, although I did point out that I think he was holding her hand, but you didn't yeah. see it. It was off screen. But um, yeah, I would I think have loved if we'd end, got a long perfect. shot of that. Of, yeah. He was definitely holding her hand. Yeah. Like, Why didn't yeah. we get a long shot of that? Right. Yeah. But. Yeah, that, was like, she gonna run after him? You know, the, again, I think they teased us with that little interview they did, where she, they both said that they their guilty pleasure was watching the Notebook, and then he walks outside. It was raining, and I thought, oh, for sure, this is gonna be where she runs out there and says, "William, don't leave," you know. But then it, she didn't. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm I'm really conflicted because I I do feel sometimes that Eliza is is written she gets a disservice because yeah. we don't really understand what holds her back right. it's never explained not even to ivy or any other character we don't know what holds her back and so the fact that you know when you think of back in season two at the end of season two she can't tell him what she was gonna say and you're like no i won't tell you tomorrow and even in this point she can't say anything to stop him she doesn't even try and yes she's probably in shock and you kind of go I don't know what the writers are thinking in Eliza's mentality because you haven't really told me what her why she holds herself back because in theory William got shot and we've spoken about this multiple times many times to the point where we actually thought that we had manifested William getting hurt in episode two <laughs> because we talked about it so much in the group going, this has got to be the catalyst for Eliza to grow. It's got to be the thing that makes Eliza go, I want you in my life. And that should have done it. And in some ways it kind of does because you see her in this episode, she's holding him close. She wants him in the house. She wants Ivy looking mm-hmm. after him. And um, but it never quite goes far enough. And I'm like, why did William have to leave? You could have made so much more of what happened of him getting shot. Like it almost felt rushed, him getting shot, him, because we then had obviously the origin story in between. And then you've, you've got him living in her house. Like so much has happened off screen mm-hmm. that we don't get to understand Eliza's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was... It felt like it was pretty much all of William's point of view. Hmm. Like you said, we don't get Eliza's point of view. No, we don't know what she's thinking. And I don't know, you know, at times you kind of go, does she, does she, does she have any need for William in her life? Mm-hmm. Because she seems, you know, quite oblivious in this um, episode yeah. of you know, she's got William at home and yeah, she's got Nash there. He's turned up at a really rubbish time. Could he not have waited another episode? So you could have seen her kind of maybe trying and failing or because she's obviously been looking after him off screen. Um, 
so yeah it's that it's just a real kind of like I get it I understand that he has to go and I think again on the group we've had many conversations kind of going I understand why William's doing this Mm -hmm. I understand kind of you know he's it's not an ultimatum he's not kind of giving her a love me or leave me kind of thing it's kind of a I'm taking myself away so that you've got time to think but equally I kind of go god you just dropped an absolute bomb on her and then walked away. The poor girl doesn't yeah. get a chance to kind of even try to show whether she wants him to stay or not. Like maybe if she knew before and then she'd had a little bit of time and, you know, she knows how she, how he feels and she still doesn't do something. And then he leaves. That makes sense. But I'm like, poor girl, she just doesn't stand a chance here. Yeah, nothing. And he's going to stop him. And I think we find out that um, although that is meant to be a romantic scene, and it is, he says something also to her. He says, "You've put me in an impossible situation," and she's like, "Oh, so this is my fault again." Defensive Eliza, Mm -hmm. feeling always like something's her fault, and I think deep down she knows she's (laughs) at fault on at a lot of things. Um, I think she. She actually, we find out later that she was a little angry. Mm-hmm. To your point, he dropped a bomb on her and he walked out. Not exactly fair, you know. No, but no. she, you know, but she did let, let him kiss her. <laughs> she did, and I think I, I feel sorry for Eliza in in a sense because I kind of go every time she gets that little inkling of maybe there's possibilities, he bloody walks away, mm, and I'm yeah. like William. If you want her, you're gonna have to do something about it. Like, you know, I kind of think obviously this scene had a lot of mirrors to season two, episode one. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, he kind of obviously walks away and we've debated whether or not he did the right thing back way back when. And so we're still kind of debating this same kind of question of does he do the right thing by walking away or should he actually stick around and and fight and try and not necessarily try and change her mind but try and show her that if she's afraid of what a relationship with him is going to be like show her that it's not going to be the way that she thinks it is I don't Mm -hmm. think that him going away for a year is going to change it doesn't make a change if that makes sense because you kind of have to be there to both want to change yeah. Does that make sense? I think it makes some change. It's not going to make all the change it mm. needs. Like, I would say 30%. It'll show her how much she needs him in his life, you know, both like emotionally and like physically. She gets all of her cases from William. And, mm-hmm. um, that's pointed out in the next episode episode five but that's yeah. another you know that's another thing so she needs she needs him for support emotionally i mean the kitchen scene he even asked like how was your day she mm. needs that sort of support more than ivy she needs she needs him and so this time away will show her that bit that she needs that from him but you're right that he needs to stay there and show her 
how their relationship is not going to be like all the bad marriages mm-hmm. and relationships mm-hmm. he's seen. You need to stand there. Like she says, you tell me you love me and then you're leaving. You've shown her how you love her, but like show her how differently that's going to be, that you're not going to hold her back, that you're not going to shove her in the kitchen and have babies, that she can be your own woman. You mm-hmm. can't just say, I love you. I want a relationship, but bye. Yeah, but I can't be here. Well, that doesn't like that doesn't change anything. <laughs> It shows her how she needs him and wants him, but it's not going to change the fundamentals Mm. of this is why Eliza thinks she doesn't need a relationship or doesn't want a relationship. You got to change that part of her. I think she knows how she wants him in her life, how she needs him in her life, how she loves him, but she needs to know those fundamentals of Victorian marriage. You guys aren't going to be that typical. Mm-hmm. can't do that when you're in new york so yeah i think he was trying to do that through the seasons but it wasn't enough and it, it was so subtle that, yeah it didn't have that i love you and i'm gonna support you as a romantic partner mm. feel to it but now that the oh i love you is out there yes he could have well, it, had yeah. that feeling to it <laughs> but he's in new york now I mean, I get, I get it. I don't like it. Don't think it was necessarily the right choice. It was a lazy choice. We, when we did the whole season four prediction, we threw this out as an option because we said he was going to try for the Glasgow job. So the whole sending him away for a job is also <laughs> a lazy plot point. They could have done something else. I'm just going to throw it out I'm- there, Rachel. I think um, the only difference in this one is I, I my note is it's a safe option for him this time. Yeah. He's got a job for a year and his existing job is waiting for him supposedly yeah. when he gets back. But we know that there's a lot of things bubbling around, you know, in Scotland Yard this season. And I think it's kind of setting up maybe, you know, like a bigger question. Um, but he says... But he, you know, he poses the question to her, um, you know, I can't be <laughs> work at Scotland Yard while you're still a private detective. And I was and wondering, right? That, what is your suggestion? What is that? your, yeah, what's his plan? You know, and, and is he asking her, if, can she be a successful private detective without him? In other words, to your point, she mm-hmm. always relies on him for work. Could mm-hmm. she stand on her own two feet without him? But I feel like in a way that might inadvertently reinforce her ability to want to be a private detective if she can you know and then he's going to come back and go damn now what you know what are are these options that that he thinks are going to come forth (laughs) because let's be honest if she's successful at Dash and Sons if she turns that ship around yeah then you know he could come back and she's like I'm not suddenly going to go do you know what I'm going to give this all up for you I don't I think it's that kind of thing of leaving is a double-edged sword because it could yeah, be that yeah. she ends up loving life and realizing nah, I don't need you anymore yeah it's a, it's an interesting one mm-hmm. but yes I think that my last point on this episode that I wanted to kind of make is about costuming because yes, oh, yes. Right? that as a note <laughs> I way 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 back when 
had to do a film study on Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. And I've mentioned this before, because uh, in season three, there's points where Eliza is wearing a white shirt and then she changes to her black shirt. And when it came to Psycho, it was all about the fact that um, the the character, I think her name's Janet, um, or Janet Lee is the actress that plays the character, can't remember. It's been a while. Um, but at the uh-huh. beginning, Alfred Hitchcock had the character in white where she's all innocent. And then she steals some money and she changes into black. And then she's all black until the shower scene where she's supposedly cleaning us, cleansing her soul of what she did. And in this episode, I kind of think you start off with Eliza. She's in her pink outfit that William has said she looks beautiful in. William's sitting there in just a shirt. He's defenseless. He hasn't got his suit, his waistcoat, his tie or anything. And then the next Uh scene that we see them, they're both without their waistcoats, without their jackets. They're very vulnerable in that kitchen scene. They're both kind of trying to kind of talk about, hey, this is when we first met and everything. Uh And then the next time you see them, Eliza's got her black shirt on. She's protecting herself. She's running out the door. She's running away from him because every single scene, if you watch Eliza, she's running away from William in every Mm -hmm. single one of those scenes. She's running out the door. And then when we see him and her in her office, when he's sorry, when he's writing his letter, he's just in shirt and trousers. He doesn't have his defenses on and he's all vulnerable. But then the next time we see him, he's back in his shirt and tie and his waistcoat. And it's almost like in that end scene when they've got their kissing on, they are both back. They've got their armor on. They're not in a place. And I think costuming, if that's the theory that they've done is you've got them in vulnerable places. And then at the end, they've both got their defenses up. They're not vulnerable at all. I I just kind of go, do you know what? You got that one. I love it. That's not the direction I I was going. I I really like that analysis. Yeah. They're very vulnerable in this in this episode. And I think as you go through the episode, if you watch their costuming, I think by the end of it, you just go, they've both got their armor back on. They've they've had their time of vulnerability and they're both their their formal wear. Yeah. (laughs) They're protecting their heart. And I always feel like Eliza, when she's got that black shirt on, she's protecting her heart and she's protecting herself underneath. Because if you watch season three, I think it's like after we see she sees William and Arabella kissing at the end of episode four. That's when the black shirt comes out. Hmm. Oh, there you go. I'm gonna have to take more notice now. <laughs> take note of that analysis. black shirt because episode five, she definitely wears the black shirt a lot in season three. So there we go. There's my costume analysis. What was your costume analysis? I was just going to say William was looking super handsome in that simple shirt and his suspenders. And how the group was very much analyzing how his look was very relaxed and, you know, his unbuttoned, the top was unbuttoned. Which which reflected a little bit of him feeling a little personally relaxed, you know, not working, not, you know, having thoughts about, you know, Scotland Yard and everything. It was, yeah, yeah, it was very well done. Yeah. I was going to say how sharp nash looked <laughs> when he came back i went in a totally different direction i was sorry thinking, was nash in this episode i forgot yeah well when he came back from paris he had the latest oh you know God. and he looked, he looked wonderful. are amazing oh my gosh so good in this wonderful 
Oh, I, can't, I, I can't remember if it's this episode but Fitzroy has a really lovely like greeny waistcoat that yes. I think it's got feathers on it and I was like oh, I like it I like that one too I think that was maybe when he was visiting uh William maybe I'm not sure mm. I have to look that up but I remember thinking oh wow that's a really sharp one too the, the, yeah the waistcoats have been just phenomenal this season mm-hmm. <laughs> William's yeah. blue one that he had on earlier the season and mm-hmm. yeah but I thought Nash looked yeah. very sharp. <laughs> Side note, um, but. I also want to shout out um, MVPs to the two Scarleteers who were slow mowing the kiss. Um, <laughs> yes. The group. Um, we needed that to heal and move on. And we appreciate you. That's all I'm saying. I'm not calling out names, but you know who you are. And we love you. Um <laughs> So if you yes. slow mo's and screenshots and and analysis and everything yeah, with the perfect the sigh, you get the you oh, get gotcha. to hear the sigh. I, I said the fact that someone pointed that out, or the I don't know if that was how they did that, if that was in the original or not, but it just gave us more, much more to savor. Because yeah. well, you can, <laughs> comfort you can us. analyze it better, like the slower it is, you you see Eliza like she's breathing in and hesitating and then her eyes flutter after the kiss and i'm just like wait that happened i'm like that was so quick first show and then we're like in the show and then like we're slow-moing it and i'm like we see william hesitate Mm -hmm. like in a question like i'm kissing you are you gonna pull away and gives her time to say no and she doesn't and it's just in the slow-mo you can see how deliberate the kiss what thank you ladies for the slow-mo kiss and yeah thank you um it's not perverted it sounds very (laughs) perverted when we're talking about it but it's all in the name of analyzing yes it's all in the name of scarlet tears all right so i think that's enough for episode four i mean we could go on forever and I'm sure we will. I, I think this is going to be one of those things that we will probably do a later podcast. Oh, definitely. And um, go over it again. In the group is over a thousand comments. So if you have <laughs> days to go through the comments, go ahead. Um, so let's move on to episode five. I will say that when the when I first watched episode five, I was so devastated that I had no idea what the show was <laughs> about and I could not comprehend it. So when I rewatched it, it was almost like a new episode for me. <laughs> Same. Because you just yeah. are blindsided that you're watching it and it's going in one eye and out the other. Anyway. Um, there were some people that watched all of the six episodes the night it dropped. It must have been like two in the morning. Yeah, they were watching was. episode five. I'm not surprised nothing went in. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I said, it was in the dark of night and I was screaming at my TV <laughs> that William just left and I was devastated. And then episode five starts and I'm just like, huh? <laughs> so. I had to go back and watch episode four again, actually, before I could start episode five, because I felt like I I missed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like the case stuff <laughs> just went right over my head. <laughs> See, I stopped. Fortunately, I was lucky I had the option or I didn't have the option to watch all six episodes all in one go. Um, And so I I watched this. I started watching episode five separately way after I digested episode four. And I think I kind of had taken the the girls from Love to Love Romance to heart where I was like, okay, he's not going to be in it. I'm just going to watch. I'm not going to make any 
judgment mm-hmm. subject and I, I I actually found it quite enjoyable I watched it with a smile okay which is not something I ever thought I would say with Nash. bearing in mind how much Nash is in this episode all right well <laughs> let me read the episode description Eliza and Nash are still struggling to work together as they tackle a case that is so vague <laughs> <laughs> I think we even so said vague. that didn't we we were like basic. what <laughs> so no wonder I didn't know what the episode was about. <laughs> anyway, so what was the case about? The case is the about case? the telephone exchange. So basically, there's a whole new telephone handset being made, and the Britannia. Britannia is the company name, but it's the inventor of the new telephone and one of the company directors, I think, off the top of my head. Um, both basically are killed in an explosion somewhere that looks like it's kind of in the back of beyond. And you know, when you're just like, you're watching and you're kind of scratching your head on the set going, right, you've got a company director and somebody else meeting in this place. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like very thrown by that. And so basically Nash has got this case because the head of Britannia is basically in the newspapers being named because he's now sole beneficiary of whatever profits the company makes now because the other company director's gone and um the designer of the telephone has gone as well he's been they've both been murdered so uh trying to work out who why these two people died and and everything and i mean to be fair when i watched it my initial reaction was i feel like Rachel and co pulled out all the stops to make this a really interesting and different case so that I was distracted from the fact that William is not in this episode. Uh It's almost like, because other episodes of this season, I've kind of gone, yeah, it was all right. The case was all right. And yada, yada, yada. Whereas this one, I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. I loved the set of the telephone exchange. I just thought, wow they've they've put a lot of effort into this telephone exchange set it looks fantastic I love that set completely and obviously Nash and Eliza are kind of toing and froing some days they're very nice and other days not so nice to each other I didn't like how the case ended I'm really sorry to whoever wrote it because I forgot to write down who wrote this episode but I really didn't like that the wife did it don't know how you guys felt well I I didn't really enjoy this case. Not that I hated it. I really liked the telephone exchange. That was really cool. But as far as the case, it was, it was, it just went round and round and round. And I couldn't figure out what the case was at first. I had a lot of question marks, like, what is the case? So we were figuring out who, who, who made the explosion happen. No, that's not it. Patent infringement? No, that's not it. Oh, we're trying to figure out who killed the inventor. Like, I was three-fourths of the way through the episode before I figured out what the actual case was. So it was just very <laughs> confusing for me. Is this first time um, round or second time no, round? Second time round when I was oh, okay. awake, fully not involved with William leaving. I really, I, I liked that there was telephones and the exchange and it was it was really neat, but it was... I don't know. It was just too convoluted for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the wife doing it, it just felt like, oh, that's that's the answer. Like, 
Okay. Yeah. It was almost like a misdirection because they couldn't make it the company boss or the other designer, Daniel, whatever his name is, because then either Liza or uh, Nash would have been right. And therefore we needed a third option. So they were both wrong. And it yeah. just didn't work. And a little bit reminded me of the air episode mm. where it turned out in the end it was an accident sort of it yep. wasn't meant to happen and it, it reminded me of even going back to season one where um frank jenkins where there were no clues like it, it, the twist totally came out of left field because there were literally no clues <laughs> laid you know no groundwork laid for that twist like the mm. other ones i thought Oh, that that seems like a and, and then it was like a out of left field. It was the wife, you know. It's Betty, you know. B L stands for Betty, you know. I mean, yeah. I guess a good twist at the end is always exciting. But um, yeah. So then I sense. I searched. Yeah, it needs to make sense. Yeah, too. But and then I'm searching for like, okay, what's the meaning behind this? You know, the, what were they trying to do with the storyline and trying to figure out? Yeah, you know, try to go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, I did like when Nash goes to the um, like middle management guy and needs to like see the logbook for that day, and tries to <laughs> pull off. Bates. Yeah, he tries to pull <laughs> off the inspector bait, inspector Bates, and doesn't get it. And then he's like, "Well, I'm a private detective," and the guy's like, "A what?" The exact line that <laughs> Eliza gets. Yeah, he gets it. Nash gets it thrown back in his face and I just thought that was funny that he gets it every once in a while I guess so I was like there were yeah they were I, I wrote down there were at least at least four parallels um throwbacks mm-hmm. to other things um when they walk in together and he's talking to the one guy and the guy goes I could see you brought your wife yeah. and she goes I'm not his wife <laughs> you know like little moments like that where that were I guess meant to give us like you said distraction from the fact that William wasn't there by flipping the script around and giving us maybe some funny things to to you know to to chew on you know mm-hmm. um that was funny yeah that was funny one yeah yeah and i liked i liked the interaction with phelps i thought you know he's um uh, nash to me at the moment has kind of become the mentor that i always thought he should have been introduced way back when if he'd have been introduced as a bit of a mentor of I'm going to, you know, show you how to grow your business, I probably would have liked him because I don't dislike him in these episodes. I actually quite think he's they've pitched mm-hmm. him at the perfect point because Eliza yeah. does need to learn and she cannot learn from William. He's A, he's not a private investigator. He walks into a room and he's got authority. So he's never gonna get that. Are mm-hmm. you a private detective? You're a what? Um whereas a Nash can is also a businessman that yeah. William isn't so Nash can kind of advise Eliza and she does in a way take some of his advice in a way she could never do that with William so I like the kind of the setting there I like the fact that he's pointing out she's got to play nice with Phelps even if she doesn't like him even if she thinks he's rude you know she's got to learn to play nice in the situation because you know, you, A, you haven't got William to give you a case from Scotland Yard and Phelps definitely ain't going to be handing him out to you. Mm-hmm. So you got to find yeah. him a different way. And I liked that. I liked the fact that he says bloody St Albans because that's literally two minutes from my doorstep. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shout out to home. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's had some 
uh, offices that are off to St Albans for some reason. I lost why they were going to St Albans. I was just like, yay, St Albans. Sorry, just me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We're happy for you. <laughs> That's yes, fine. I like, you know, there, there's there's a bit of humour and I like the fact that, that Nash kind of, he comes unstuck a little bit. I love Clarence. He's got the best line about, oh, I've done this for you. This person's expecting a bottle of wine. Am I going to be able to expense that back? And Eliza's like, oh, just get Nash to pay for it. And he's like, I'm not getting the money for that bottle of wine. (laughs) I was like, Clarence is the star of the office. Mm -hmm. He definitely, definitely is. Uh, the, The thing with the wife, Betty, doing it, there's a there's a scene where they're all sitting around the table, Betty Nash and Eliza talking about it. I'm sorry, if I've just killed my husband, and I love my husband, I would not be sitting calmly talking with the investigators who are looking into his death. I would just be a massive ball on the floor going, I did it, it was an accident. So it just didn't, it didn't quite compute mm-hmm. for me. So still bit very, maybe bitter, um, you know, I, I guess her motive. I, I, I was curious why she was so upset that, you know, her husband was going to get you know, gypped out of some money that she was going to kill people for yeah. it. You know, I was like, that wow, a bit far fetched. That, that yeah. was a little bit far fetched, but I guess she was still very angry at that. Um, Archer was that his name? The other guy that was like his, he used to be yeah. her husband's mentor that say it will try to throw the blame onto him, you know, but at the end when she confesses, you know, I definitely felt, you know, yeah. much more from him and, even again i kept looking for something more like like what was eliza's reaction to that like was she you know was she what did she make out of that um that was yeah i know i keep trying to like come up with like okay what was the <laughs> the moral of the story well, what's the <laughs> you know that learning that you'll go that far for someone you love to, to kill people for it is that like extreme you know <laughs> a little bit extreme little i extreme. think extreme i in this episode, I I get why Eliza and Nash were kind of bickering at each other. Eliza is upset William's gone, but I I didn't fully enjoy their bickering. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't humorous. It wasn't like friends being having a funny bicker, kind of how Eliza and William pick at each other. This was just to me, they were frosty. Nash was kind of overly bossy at times. It just he does like, like to remind her that he's the boss and it's his name on the front of the building. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. got to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, even as they're hi- trying to hire people, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, although I did like that montage of them reading all of the applications and she going, well, how about this guy? And he going, no, because of this. And he goes, how about this? You know, I did enjoy that montage. How many people want to be private detectives? A lot, that's an awful big mailbag lot and not one female um was interested in um applying for it i was thinking about that last night too i'm like oh that was a shame (laughs) that no one kind of was inspired um didn't inspire some young you know female to say maybe i want to get into this i wonder if they put in the advert that they'd be working for a woman maybe not and maybe that's why they've got so many applicants well she seemed to think so maybe these people yeah something. maybe they did yeah yeah um although I um, but i like, think i did oh, sorry, like the moment where nash 
does say something about like, well, how's your inspector? And kind of tries to get her to open up, but she does she does really look shut him down and say like, I don't want to talk about it. I do well, appreciate I think, Nash trying to get her. Yeah, I think he was her. really a true friend to her in this episode, yeah. and and I think her, you know, the the joking about her sulking. Yeah. your sulk du jour and sulking and she says no I'm, I'm brooding you know <laughs> um it's a very think, William line I don't sulk yes. I brood I brood you know but I think that created a lot of the bickering right mm-hmm. I think that it, her mood she was grumpy from the first mm-hmm. moment of the episode um and that kind of caused I think you know whether she wants to say it or not she was lashing out <laughs> quite yeah. a bit you know she was definitely making a few interesting choices like when she kind of goes to um confront joseph brace blackwell bracewell not quite sure how i work bracewell i can't read my own writing Mm -hmm. um to kind of question you know whether he is the killer what was he doing did he make the phone call i know you're like i mean it strikes me as being a very eliza thing to do she doesn't want to be told what to do she doesn't like being told what to do and let's be honest way back in when in season two episode one She's telling William, I'm going to have no master. I, I'm freedom to make my own decisions means everything to me. And yet here she is working for Nash and he is telling her what to do. And she's just got to accept that. Yeah. And I don't think we really see much fallout on that, whether that is kind of playing into her mindset as well as William leaving. Yeah. She's, she's having to compromise some of the things that she doesn't want to compromise. She feels oh. more reckless not necessarily like with her safety because we always know she's willing to risk her life but like with going up to bracewell and saying like i think you did this she feels more emotionally reckless like her actions just she goes against nash at every turn mm-hmm. you know and i feel like girl you're gonna get fired <laughs> keep going they, they did nash like this <laughs> And they did got fired from the case, you know, yeah. and I yeah. think that if anything, that was a repercussion that maybe she didn't anticipate. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. So, like I said, I feel like she's more reckless about her actions. If this would have been like a more dangerous case where she could have risked her life, she would have done it probably yeah. more. But this really wasn't a let me go against a gangster kind of thing. But she feel she feels very reckless because she is so upset with William being gone and the whole bombshell. She she doesn't she's not thinking right. And I think that yeah. You know. And she has a very uh, like an argument with Ivy. Um, yeah. Later on the episode where she goes, I feel like everyone's telling me that everything I'm doing wrong, you know, pointing out my faults and like I can't make any decisions on my own. You know, it's like her little <laughs> angst. You know, it, it's getting to her now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's and on that, answer. I we we should really talk about the fact that William is is sending letters, and Eliza is pretty much avoiding the whole. She's doing what she does best. She is avoiding the situation. Yes. And yes. um, yeah, I love that kind of opening bit with with Ivy, where Ivy's trying to practice her writing, and you know Eliza's come mm. downstairs, and there's a point in <laughs> episode three where Ivy tells young Eliza, you know. You only do chores when you're feeling guilty. And yeah. Eliza is walking downstairs with a washing basket. And I'm like, oh, hello. You're you're obviously feeling a bit guilty here somewhere for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then 
I love how Ivy tries to talk out a way around it. Oh, I'm practicing my handwriting. I'm writing a letter <laughs> to Barnabas. Um, why? Why do you need to write a letter to Barnabas? He's probably there most mornings or evenings for dinner or breakfast because, you know, he knows where the, the bread's buttered. And um, she's so shut down, Eliza. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm going to work and I don't want breakfast. And you're like, mm, OK, Eliza, you keep living in the land of denial. Yep. Mm-hmm. red flags mm-hmm. yeah yeah but equally I love that you know the next time they're sitting down to dinner Ivy kind of is William's written me another letter you're not replying to him and she's trying her best and I wonder if she feels a little bit guilty in the sense that if she hadn't said anything to William he may have just continued in his little land of denial but pushing him made him think and that's what then made him leave and so she maybe she's feeling a little bit guilty of this situation yeah, I she definitely played a, at least a small part or was like a pivot point, a cog, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a lever to at least trigger something. Yeah. In the, yeah. But Eliza's, like, I, I don't think we've ever seen Eliza and Ivy quite in an argument like that. No. Mm. So I think I was as shocked as Ivy at the end when she kind of, does her little stomping out the room type thing I mean the fact that she's like I I did have a few alarm bells when she's sitting there going Eliza's saying um Inspector Wellington's gone and we'll talk about it when he gets back and in the meantime I have no intention of replying to his letters and I'm just like Mm -hmm. oh Eliza Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah yeah you are not helping yourself here girl yeah absolutely not the way to go yeah. But then she obviously she does try and read his letters. I I I I laugh that she's trying to read them in her office. <laughs> I don't know what you guys thought of she that. She like snuck them, snuck them to work and put them in her <laughs> desk drawer. <laughs> and did you see how long that the first letter was? It was like yeah. two sides, a lot of writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although I I, I swear cuz unfortunately we can't actually read whatever the letter is and trust me people have tried. Um <laughs> I swear it says, dear Eliza, I swear she's reading the back page, not the front page. So it makes me wonder if she started reading a letter and then she kind of couldn't deal with it and put it away. And that's why only one's open. Oh. And then maybe she picks it up. You guys will have to tell me if you think it says, dear Eliza, on when she looks at it. It's actually oh, the um, masterpiece the did, a tra- did, did the scene. They put the scene out early. Um, Could it be the one he left for her on the mantle? It's entirely possible. Mm. She's got a mm. she's got a couple of envelopes there, that's for sure. And somebody pointed out on the group, I think it was, that her address is Knightley Street. I don't know if you that guys have me. seen that. Oh, I, I think I was the one that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> said that. Yeah. <laughs> ah, very astute. Oh, I, I love Mr. Knightley. <laughs> It's like I love the the little you know hidden. Most people wouldn't zoom in and notice, (laughs) but we do. I'm sorry. What group are you part of? References. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Any any reference to Jane Austen or anything is always like ah yes. Mm -hmm. I zoom in on the kiss. I don't zoom in on the street signs. (laughs) That's the other group. Not my group. So I love the fact that house, she acts right? like she's just been caught red-handed when yeah. um, Clarence <laughs> yes. knocks on the door. Yeah, 
right? She's hiding it even from Clarence. Like she doesn't want anyone to know what she's doing. It's just uh-uh. a letter. He can't ask questions it from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, on this, we were discussing before we started timeline of William being away and being able to send three letters because he's obviously sent Eliza three letters plus Ivy's had two. Mm-hmm. How long has he been away? We don't know at this point, but yeah, it's like a, a while if he's sending that many letters. And he's writing to Ivy saying she's ignoring my letters. So that's well, got to be a well, while. Ladies, I, I, I'm a little bit of a math geek. And Excellent. so I decided to, I had Googled how long it, best case scenario, how long it takes a ship, because mail would have come by ship, to mm-hmm. get from London, let's say London or Liverpool or whatever, to New York and back. So actually one way would be best case eight days we think in the in 1884 ish so that makes sense if he wrote a letter it would take eight days to get there Mm -hmm. then in theory he'd have to wait at least eight days to get a response assuming someone wrote this is like one of those word problems like when you're in school (laughs) how long would it take so You'd have to wait at least eight, another eight days to get a response, which he didn't. So that, that's 16 days right there. He sent three letters to Eliza and two to Ivy. If you multiply, I think it's five times 16. I think it's um, 80. It works out to 80 days. Well, he definitely so, hasn't been gone for nearly three months at this point, I don't think. So I don't know about this timeline, but... Needless to say, I think it's been a while, unless William is just firing off letters <laughs> every couple of days, hoping that he'll get a response to one I, of his letters. And, I didn't and know you now it's only needy, been two weeks. William. William, are you this needy? I'm backing off. This is a red flag for needy men. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm leaving you know, to give you space. Well, I'm going to bombard you with 691 letters. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe just stay. He could have just talked to her. <laughs> you should have just stayed in New York. Or in no, you stayed in London. London sorry. You stayed in yeah. London. Eh? No wonder she's she's ignoring this broody, needy man. Right? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I did I did feel sorry for, for Ivy and 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 I love that she's like William doesn't deserve you ignoring him. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad that Ivy, again, it's another one of those truth bombs, bombs that Ivy has dropped this season. And she just knows how to say it right, doesn't she? Yeah. Even if Eliza can't admit it at first. Yeah. Yeah. We're assuming that Eliza does read William's letters, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think by the end, for sure. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think she's probably been sitting up in the drawing room while Ivy's been cooking cauliflower that she doesn't like? I love that <laughs> Ivy cooks cauliflower. <laughs> You're in a mood with me. There you go. I was surprised with the cauliflower. I'm okay. <laughs> Victorian cauliflower. Yeah. I I would not have imagined, but well, Eliza says she doesn't like cauliflower. I know. Why would so Ivy's making one... her? something she doesn't like because you know she's got to have some bad medicine first yeah you'll eat what i cook for you (laughs) she chops in half um what do we think she writes i hope it's more than just my week was garbage how was yours 
I hope that was just the start. You know, I hope right? so. You know, yeah, I think it's got to break the you know, icebreaker ice kind of stuff. Just real, not you know, nothing to deal. I'm betting it's you know, nothing too much dealing with the feelings. You know, yeah, I've um, been just the icebreaker for eighty plus days. How <laughs> it's been? Yeah, I wish it would. I mean, we have just a hope that the letters, letters plural, evolve from here instead of just. Uh-huh. I have a real love-hate relationship with the idea of letters because there is a part of me that is just like as a viewer mm-hmm. I can't go on that journey with you because mm-hmm. you're not I'm not going to know what you write and Rachel's certainly not going to be writing letters and posting them on fanfic for us so we're never going to necessarily know what's in those letters as a viewer so there's the part of me that is just like really does that work but then the, there's the other part of me, the fanfic writer part of me, that is like, that is slightly genius because that's almost like Rachel going, hey, here's your homework for the next six months. Go write them. You go write your stories. I've given you your next fanfic challenge. Tell me what you're going to write. Exactly. So there's, well, I'm very that's conflicted. What gets us in trouble. <laughs> well, imagine these <laughs> and, terribly and you know, letters. And then we're so disappointed when all they are is, I had a bad case. How was your, you know, how's yeah. your week? I had to deal with. I mean, I'm really hoping that okay, this first letter, the first couple yeah. of letters are going to be a bit, you know, safe. And yeah. oh, this is what my day's like. But I hope as you know, we get closer to when he's coming back, that there'll be some little hints dropped in. And I mean, Eliza's going to avoid it like the plague. I don't think mm-hmm. she's going to suddenly start declaring her undying love for him in letters. But I hope William can like slightly prod her, even if it's just to kind of make her think for when he comes back. It's easy. I'd love to, to see something to yeah. not like a to a blank wall but into somebody's face. Yeah, hmm. that's true. It's it's a lot easier to profess. Yeah, yeah very yep. romantic to profess your feelings in a letter. But I I maybe he will, I don't know, but I don't think she will. I feel like she won't say anything like, I miss you. She'll write it in a different way. She'll say, you know, looking forward to your return, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, you know, because I think she's still <laughs> too vulnerable yeah. to put it in, in writing, you know. The close it'll, it'll be like, the house is quiet without you, or like, Gilbert's is lonely. I, I, haven't, I haven't been at Gilbert's lately because we don't have our dinner. Something like, a parallel but nothing yeah exact state. oh i i have to put up with you know barnabas and and ivy dinners with them <laughs> without you it's it's so you know horrible without you here <laughs> to play charades with us <laughs> I know something like charades. that i bet she plays <laughs> charades with with fitzy that's gonna be our charades <laughs> partner oh, yeah man. i have to ask what do you think makes eliza change her mind because I don't think we really writing. see what makes her change her mind. <laughs> Did you say the screenwriting? To to sit to, to write the letters back, you mean? To change yeah. Her mind? Well, I mean, I mean, I, just, I think Ivy says something like, "Maybe it'll make you feel better." Yeah, to get. I don't know if that's just on the surface. Out. Yeah. 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 Say what's on your mind to him. But then yeah. that's when she starts with the, oh, my week's been bad. That's not what you're feeling. I mean, I guess eventually, but like we're saying, 
Eliza's never going to eventually spill her guts. You know, it'd been one thing if like the first mm-hmm. line of her story, her letter was like, I'm really mad at you for saying that. And leaving. <laughs> you know, that yes, I'm letter, sorry. I've been right? ignoring your letters um, for a I'm month, mad. you know, but yeah. here's why, you know, yeah. I didn't write back. Yeah, you should gloss over that. I think, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm not looking for her to say, like, I love you, William. You know, I love you, too. It doesn't need to be that. It could have been like, yeah, I'm mad at you. But then she's like, oh, I had a bad week. Actually, she said she had a good week. Oh, I had a good week. Sorry. It didn't seem like a good week. It seemed like a bad week. Unless that's their way of kind of letting him off the hook, kind of saying, like, it's okay. Like, we're just, let's just get, you know, into the normal. though. Yeah, but like she doesn't want to like say I was mad when you walked out, you know. Like in other words, by not addressing it, yeah, ignoring the whole pushing it off. Yeah, Eliza. I know, I know. It would be great if she did say something like, "Sorry, it's taking me so long," but you know, figuring out how I feel. But don't notice before she started writing the letter. I again, Ivy puts the the paper and pen just like she did, did with William. Um, she puts the paper and pen right on the table. And I and Eliza has a flashback of from the Origins episode yeah. of when she first saw him. And it was almost looked like it was slightly edited in such a way to illustrate how taken she was with him, how he looked, how, you know. I, I love that before she sat, and wrote any words on the paper that's what she thought of yeah so I, I feel better seeing that like that kind of made me think okay she's writing this with some romantic feeling in her Warm heart feelings. yeah sort of her cold dead heart right exactly <laughs> like that's I, what i said i, I don't think she has a co- people i'm kidding wise <laughs> people i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> Sort of. We gotta fight, Amanda. Sort of. I'm, Sorry, I'm just I'm teasing you. I know, I know, what? I know how you feel. I believe me. We're all screaming at the TV, going, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" But I, you know, that's yeah. on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's on purpose. Yeah. Right, drama. Doing <sighs> words, words, words. Um. Anyway, I find it interesting that both William and Eliza write their letters in the kitchen where they first met <laughs> yeah yeah because at the time i was like that's Good a director. really weird thing why not just have her sitting by herself in the drawing room with a glass and she's reading his letters and that's why she decides to get up sit at the desk there and start writing or something i was like why it's in the like kitchen the ivy hearth. can't make any dinner until <laughs> eliza finishes <laughs> yeah, <so it's> <laughs> you don't want the paper to get smelly yeah <laughs> It's like the hearth, you know, the the home, you know, that seems to be what they're going for the last few seasons. It's where they first met and where they have that happy memory of each other. Which Eliza doesn't seem to remember too much of if she thinks she she forgets that she gave smoked ham. Purpose. Yep. (laughs) That memory. Um, now I have a thought in my head that William gets her first letter and he goes, oh, Eliza, and then sniffs at the get her perfume and it just smells like cauliflower. <laughs> I wondered where you were going there. <laughs> well, oh, can you imagine that? He, his little heart would like do cauliflower. a double skit when he yeah. finally gets that letter in his hand. 
yeah it that's doesn't what matter it, what yes. that letter says the, it, the words in that letter don't matter what matters is she sent something she replied mm-hmm. absolutely that envelope arrives he's excited that's what i want to see is them you know rushing to the mailbox you know excited to get their letters to each other that doesn't would be so sweet it smells like cauliflower yeah maybe she sprays <laughs> a little bit of spritzes her perfume on it you know <laughs> she, rubs she sends it flower on it or yeah. rubs ham smoked ham remember it william <laughs> you ate ham <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah, brings uh, back good memories maybe you know that could stop a bullet i mean i think the only other thing i have to say that i've written down about this episode is a we have no idea if eliza turned in betty so we don't know we don't see betty getting arrested we don't know what happens we just see eliza giving phelps (laughs) the file and sweet you know being say sweet talking um, to him Going, yes, you've got the case and you did it all and la, 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 la. I've no idea if Betty got arrested or if she sat, sat at home waiting for the police to come and knock in. Maybe they tied her to the chair. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so she couldn't get well, away. They had to do something. Because yes, maybe it just, I think it happened. I mean, my, my, my idea is maybe it happened off screen, you know, that they called for the police and she was just merely handing Phelps the evidence file but who knows they could have also tied her to the chair so she didn't get away (laughs) or or let her off and let her go do you know what you just go grab a carriage head to dover (laughs) the next boat ride to to france is here that way even if phelps gets the information he still can't arrest you because you're not here i don't think he'd be too happy with that (laughs) they would just solve it I mean, you didn't, you just wanted me to solve it. You didn't tell me I had to give you the bad guy. (laughs) I think it happened all off stage, off screen. (laughs) But yeah, I did think when she handed it to Phelps, like, where's the wife? Like, okay, what? Okay. We're going to have to rewatch that. Maybe behind their coach was like the paddy wagon, you know, whatever. We just didn't see it. Well, I did think he's off to the side because Phelps is doing his shouting at people coming out of the paddy wagon. I thought it would like pan a little bit and it would be the wife coming out of the paddy wagon, but hmm. it's not because I, I, I had that thought. I just love how it looks like Phelps just likes to yell at people like, Oi, do this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like he's just loving this job, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. He does star. nothing. Yeah, I'm he just yells. Now. He's growing on me this season. I don't like him, but he's growing on me. Yeah. I feel like all the characters have slightly grown on me a little bit more. Yeah. I, I, Nash, I'm not my favorite, but he's growing on me. I'm, I'm all right with him this season. I do have to say that Nash's, or I have to say Felix, Felix's voice in these episodes are like butter oh my god he's talking and i'm just like oh butterscotch i'm just oh sorry i mean i love william giving me a scottish accent but nash's voice i'm just oh that man's voice is smooth in these episodes i'm just 
Yeah, that is definitely not what I expected you to say. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I I was going to say that every once in a while he does sound Irish. Yeah, but it's rare. (laughs) He'll say certain things. Like, oh, he sounded Irish there, but otherwise, no. <laughs> but he's supposed to be Irish, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's supposed yeah. to be Irish. Yeah. He's just, he's just kind of hiding that Irish accent. I think so, yeah. But it comes out every once in a while, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of funny. But, no, this the, these episodes, his, his voice is very fine. You know, yeah. Analyze and like, clothes. Yes, he's he's really on point these couple episodes in the season. He he had another beautiful waistcoat, I will say, in episode five. Mm-hmm. It was a black one with like a flowery print red and it had flowery print and it was beautiful. <laughs> I'm just an admirer of his clothes. Yeah. I like Can the I say? book of Patrick. I don't know if I necessarily like his character, but he's he's playing his part well. I'm liking him. Yeah. <laughs> it is well. I love that. He has a role to play. He's know? got his role to play in the in the season. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. Well. And just just to shout out, because I think so many people on the group did this, is that when Patrick is talking about putting in the the telephone into the National Sun's office, so many of us suddenly Googled. Oh, could, mm-hmm. I, could William and Eliza phone call? Oh no, the first, first uh, London to New York or New York to London telephone call was made not until 1927. Yeah. So unfortunately, our hopes were dashed very, very quickly with that one. Because it well, was like, what the president to the King of England or something like that. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh. very, very late, and even the, even Eliza says, "Patrick, you can't call me from France," kind of thing, like to check up on me. <laughs> Because he thought yes. it he even like look, he go, oh, I uh, think so, so it was that's your... why he put the phone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was yours. Uh, w. S. Guilford, president of the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, called Sir Evelyn P. Murray, secretary of the General Post Office of Great Britain. Oh, yes. so that was the first uh, mm-hmm. transatlantic was... phone call on January seventh, nineteen twenty-seven. So you look, we started with a bit of history. We're going to finish on a bit of history. There you go. There we go. There we go. I I did like that. But but I think when I think I also googled this, but I didn't write down the date, or I can't find where I wrote it down. The first phone call from Paris to London, Ooh. because I thought at first I was hopeful, like oh maybe she's going to call William, and then I'm like yeah, to squash that right away. But then I thought oh maybe he wanted to call her from Paris, like she said. Oh, did you think you were going to check up um, on me from Paris? <laughs> and then instantly he's embarrassed. Like, oh, yeah, no, I knew that. <laughs> you know, but I think that's some years later, too. Not as long, but mm-hmm. it's going to be at least 10 or 20 years before that. Even uh, oh. I believe, just a quick Google, uh, yeah. 1891. London to go. Paris were linked by the by the telephone. And the first international call was made from the Prince of Wales to the French president. There you go. There you go. Eighteen ninety one. I don't think we've quite time jumped up to eighteen ninety yet. Not quite. I didn't think about that one actually, but yeah. Yeah. I did find that funny though. She's like, (laughs) check on me. I love how much bearing in mind I don't think Nash told Eliza what the case was, how much she knew about the telephone. That 
girl is an encyclopedia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yes. but here is the entire history of the telephone. Mm-hmm. Like a simple yes or no would have sufficed. I think that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. I feel like um, you know, quality or trait that she probably learned from her father was, you know, make sure you're up on current events, you know, when mm. she reads the newspaper as well as she's very well read and everything. And I just, you know, I love that she was able to kind of put squash his, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what he was doing into by saying, yeah, I know way more than, than you think I do. Yeah. Not that, that I have to know more than you, but you, I know more than you think that I know, you know, don't know, underestimate me. I know more than you, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. That's it. Yeah. Oh. Um, Anything else about episode five? No. Not according to my notes. Okay. I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Not as groundbreaking as episode four, but very important. But I guess well, then we're at the end of the podcast. Um, if you've not joined any of our social media, please do. I mean, we have amazing members talking about anything you can think about about these episodes um find us at scarlet tears podcast on facebook instagram scarlet tears underscore podcast we have a website with our all our past podcast episodes it's scarlet tears podcast at wordpress.com so find us there so find us um and join in we've had so many new people join us and i swear we've had like a dozen people saying I don't know why I didn't join in earlier. Like it's it's amazing. All of a sudden, people absolutely, are like, yeah, joining in the discussion. Like maybe they were there, kind of, you know, reading mm-hmm. through, but just deciding that they really wanted to jump in and and participate in in the great discussions that we mm-hmm. have on there. And um, I can't wait for the whole season to air because I think some of us are even holding back. You know, <laughs> discussion. <laughs> on you know the last episode and and then talking about you know other stuff so i think Mm -hmm. yeah i look forward to that for sure yeah yeah so thank you so much for joining us laurie it's been fantastic thank you thank you so much what a pleasure chatting with you yeah um so listeners join us next time when we talk about episode six and the wrap-up of season four bye Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0, license HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash.